everybody. Welcome to Valley Naval Gazing on 103.5 WNHHLP. I'm Eugene Driscoll. You can listen to this podcast on valleyindie.org, newhavenindependent.org, SoundCloud, Libsyn, iTunes, whatever. And we play every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WNHH. So hello, New Haven, and hello, the Valley. Today, my guest is Ken Tuccio. Hello, sir. How's it going, Ken? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all right. Ken is an Ansonia native, born and raised in the city of Ansonia, here where we're taping on Main Street. And he's got a new TV show coming. I do. Which is, yeah. this is amazing. I mean, in this day and age, to uh, be going into uh, to local television, it just, television isn't so local anymore. Uh so you're going to be on WNHH, not WNHH, WTNH. WTNH. Yes. I got to get my news, ends. Cha- news Channel Eight. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and what what is it going to be? Uh, it's called the Local Drinking Show. So it's a uh, it's a documentary program, the documentary series uh, following drinking culture in the state of Connecticut. So we're covering drinking culture in the state, which is something that local news doesn't really cover. Local television doesn't really cover. Honestly, the drinking community gets ignored a lot by. Uh, by local media because it's kind of taboo in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, so we're covering drinking culture. It's a documentary series. It's not going to be your traditional news broadcast. It's a it's its own independent show, which is kind of cool. Okay, so uh, and for our listeners at home, I had to take a quick break. We're as we're recording this podcast, some alleged breaking news just happened. So we're trying to check that out. So excuse me if I sound distracted. But the drinking culture. In the state of Connecticut, yep. uh, I mean, when you when you describe the show briefly, uh, I was just thinking that old Dave Attell show, uh, what was that? Insomniac, Up- Insomniac. That's so right. funny. That's right. So, so one of the episodes that we actually already have in the can that we filmed was Valley New Year. We did an entire episode focusing on Valley. What, New just Year. like I mean, as we taped this, Thanksgiving was just last week. So you just you just last Wednesday, last okay. last Wednesday night, we taped in uh, we taped in Porky's and in Bar None. Oh, and wow. And we covered okay. Valley New Year. And when I described what we wanted to do to that do for that show to people, I actually referenced Insomniac by David Tell. Wow. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean it was it was bonkers, but that's the, but that's like a part of drinking culture. And that's the thing. Like I grew up in the valley, so in the valley I knew Valley New Year was a thing, but in starting to flesh that out as like an episode, a lot of people knew the night before Thanksgiving, obviously big drinking night, but valley new year no one had any idea that was mm. a bigger thing in the valley and i'm like yeah that's in the valley that's a holiday but just as an aside bar none great pizza they get that brick oven pizza there great place bar right. none's a yeah, great place it really Porky's, is awesome wings yeah, and bar none has the friday not actually not friday like every day their happy hour is buy one get one free i think starting at four o'clock not, not, not that i go at four o'clock but i just happen <laughs> to know that but uh, so how did the idea for the show well, maybe let's 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 back up. So, yeah. when when does the show come on the air? Well, the series premiere is January twenty sixth. And how many have you taped so far? Uh, right now, we have four taped. The first season is probably going to be six episodes. Uh, so we are taping our fifth episode in December, and then we have another one we're trying to get taped in early January. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to premiere January twenty sixth. Uh, it's going to be bi weekly starting January twenty sixth. And it's going to be on WTNH, so you're going to be able to check your local listings and set your DVR and watch it on there. But my big thing, uh, especially based on where my audience is and everything along those lines, it's going to be streaming online on WTNH.com. It'll be on the localdrinkingshow.com. So if you are sitting at work and you want to watch it, they're going to be very palatable. They're going to be 10 to 15 minute episodes, um, all covering a different topic. Every episode has a new feel. And uh, it's, it's going to be fun viewing, is basically. I wanted to do something completely different than what the traditional news outlets do. So. And is it going to be on, like, it, when it's on WTNH, uh, is it part of the news broadcast? Or, like, how is it, uh, or is it a total separate from, show? From or? what I'm told, uh, from what I'm told, and obviously card is always subject to change, but uh, from what I'm told, uh, you're going to be able to go in your DVR, and it'll be there, the local drinking show. Um, but also, too, one of the things that we're doing with this is we wanted to create very interesting and engaging content that they can use on that WTNH can use on their news broadcast on something like CT style. Uh, we're kind of what what WTNH is trying to do is they're trying to branch off CT style. They're trying to do an entire kind of subcategory called Style Nation, which is kind of like the, what the working term is that we're using for it. Uh, we're basically you have CT style, which is kind of like a pop culture trendy show that they air on WTNH, and then they're kind of they're, they want to start doing things that can expand off of that, do shows that are a little different, and you know that is where I come in. 
And uh, will it be on like on Sundays at a certain time? We're working yeah. the the time the actually the actual date and time is something that we're hammering out. It will premiere on the um, it will premiere on the twenty sixth. It will premiere every Thursday. The actual time for the television the television spot is something that we're still working around. We're, we're still figuring that out. Uh, this is an entirely new venture for them. Like they've never done anything like this before. Traditionally, when they do a show, it's tied into the news. If they do a segment, it's tied into the six o'clock news or it's mm-hmm. tied into their morning program. So for them to kind of work with me and develop an entirely new program that is standalone. I mean, the only thing that I could even remotely compare it to is when CNN brought in Bourdain. You know, not even I mean, not even remotely comparing myself to Bourdain, but it's the same concept where CNN actually didn't know what to do with that. Like if you actually if you go back and you read articles about when CNN initially brought in Bourdain, there was a lot of questions because CNN had never done original programming. They were like, right. where do we put this on? What if there's breaking news? What do we do? How do we commit to a weekly documentary series? So we're kind of learning as we as we go with this. Um, we're going to try to incorporate it into as many WTNH programs as we can. We are you know, going to make sure it's streaming online so anyone could access it at any time. And then there's going to be spots on WTNH where you're going to be able to find it. And WTNH will obviously promote that. I'll promote that. You can set your DVR. And the great thing with DVRs is if you set new episodes, it'll record the new episodes. So you don't you have to worry about whenever. it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, who's their meteorologist there? The ex-Marine guy who's... Gil uh, Simmons? Gil Simmons. Yeah. When are we going to see Gil Simmons drunk? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you probably will not see the WTNH personalities drunk on this show. That is, oh, that is probably not going to happen. As much fun as it would be to go out drinking with Ann Nyberg, I really don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. Throwing down shots of... Uh, what is that? Uh, what is that? Uh, that Gatorade-type Thunderball? What is it called? Gatorade-type. Uh, never mind. I don't, I, don't, I don't do shots of anything that you describe as Gatorade-type. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like Mad Dog 2020. Uh, so let's... How did the idea come about? Like, who appro- Did you approach them? Did they approach you? So I have my show, Welcome to Connecticut, that your, I've been doing for the And podcast. that's your podcast. Welcome yeah. to Connecticut podcast that I've been doing for going on three years at this point. Um, and I had been on WTNH multiple times, like countless times. Um, did CT Style, did Good Morning Connecticut, did stuff like that. So I built a relationship with them. Uh, and then one day, uh, Ryan Christopher, who is the co-host of CT Style, uh, basically made an introduction to me. Uh, I'm sorry, made an introduction for me with uh, a couple of the station heads over there. And we started having conversations, and the initial conversations kind of centered around taking my podcast and doing a podcast-oriented interview show, like in-studio interviews, because, I I mean, you've done my show before. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, my show is a very conversational style. It's much like this. It is not your traditional news interview. And WTNH was looking to do something a little different. And initially, they, you know, thought, hey, you know, how about we do like a podcast-oriented talk show and maybe I could co-host it with Ryan so they could have one of their personalities in on that and we started like tossing around ideas and you know Ryan and I tossed around ideas and we talked to them about stuff but it just never really happened it was one of those things where you know it was an idea and then it just kind of fizzled out uh, and, and this then, is over the last couple of years this or was so, over or? probably the last all this happened probably in the last six to eight months okay and so that was the first that was kind of the first foray into would you be interested in doing something with us and then after that kind of fizzled out, um, myself and some of the decision makers at WTNH reconnected, and we had a meeting. And basically, what they told me, uh, what WTNH told me, is that they wanted to do something different, which I give them a ton of credit for. They kind of realized that local news is standard. They kind of realized that the audience is younger now. They wanted to do something that, I mean, if I had to describe it, I would describe it as a little edgier, a little more raw, a little more unique, and. I kind of fit that mold in that I'm a local personality, so to speak, quote unquote. I have my show. I have an audience, but I'm not tied down with a radio station. I'm not tied down with a television network. I'm not with a newspaper. I'm not with some outlet. I'm completely independent. And I am very engaged in kind of younger culture and the way they speak and the way they carry themselves. And if you listen to my show, I mean, we use colorful language all the time. We will curse. We will talk about things that you traditionally would not talk about on local radio or talk about on, you know, local television. You know, there's, it's a very candid conversation. So they were interested in doing something a little different, uh, a little edgier. And I had done a documentary kind of piece, I don't know, like last year, last October. And it was a piece that we called Eat. And it was a documentary feature that focused on Bar Sugo in Norwalk, Connecticut. And basically what we did is uh, it was kind of a promo piece for Bar Sugo. Bar Sugo had a brand new menu. And basically we did a nice little documentary thing. It's still on YouTube. You can go look for it. And it was a really well-produced documentary piece. And I showed them that. And I said, is this kind of along the, ra- along the you know, lines of what you're looking for? 
And they said, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're looking for. And they said, come up with some concepts. So uh, I went home, came up with a couple different concepts, and my go-to is always the drinking community. You know, my show is very tied into craft beer. It is very tr- tied into that community. I personally find it fascinating. I think that's an awesome community. So I went in and I pitched them the idea of doing a documentary program about drinking culture. And I went in basically saying to myself, there is absolutely no effing way that WTNH is going to do a show about drinking. Mm-hmm. And they immediately said, yes, let's go. So then we just started developing it. And, uh, and now we're at the point where we're filming. They started, you know, started developing it. We have a commercial that's currently running. We have another 30-second spot that's going to be coming on in the next month or so. And, I mean, they have been, everyone who I've been working with at WTNH has been so insanely supportive of the project. They have been letting me be as creative as I want to be with this. They're not handcuffing me at all. They are yeah, letting me like have. There are camera crews that go out with you. They are letting us, day. they're letting me use uh, an independent camera crew who I actually worked with on Prior previous projects because they liked the work they did. And they said, hey, we like what they're doing and it's different. And that was kind of, that was kind of my whole thing. You know, we've and did, did WTNH give you any, uh, not guidance, but did they, did they have any ideas as to where this might have worked elsewhere in the country? Or is there anywhere else they pointed to where a TV station or a news station, a traditional news, local news station is branching out like this? Or To the best of my knowledge, no. Wow, like, that's really I, fa- I, it's fascinating. It, it really is. And I'm, that's why I give them a ton of credit because they are trying something totally different. Right. I mean, if you look at the... And and that was my whole thing. Like, my whole thing was, I remember the first meeting when we were first kind of pitching ideas. I told them in no uncertain terms, like, the stuff that you're currently doing, I just personally don't have any interest in. Like, I don't want to be the guy wearing a WTNH polo shirt, holding a microphone, walking up to people and having those kind of conversations. It's not my personality. It's not what I want to do. And they said, we don't want that. And they're basically, they said, let's do something completely different. Like, I personally cannot think, at least in the state, it probably might have happened somewhere else in the country, but I can't think of another local outlet that has basically given programming to someone who is not, you know, a news personality. I'm not Keith Kuntz. I'm not Ann Nyberg. That's not me. And they're basically giving giving me a sandbox and saying, let's go play and let's have fun. And they're letting me be, they have been... It's been amazing. Like, I'm very spoiled with how well they've been treating me because they're letting me be as creative as I want. They are letting me do anything I can to differentiate this show from what you would traditionally find with local news. Mm. And I, I'm, I literally, when, uh, when we initially started kind of putting together the episodes and putting together the ideas for the episodes, I had a list of what local news did like traditional local news segments. And then I had a list of what I was going to do that was different. And a lot of it's really minor things, but they are, uh, they're minor things that I think people will notice. You know, we have, uh, like, for example, local news, you use regular stock music. Mm-hmm. Like you have that royalty right, right. free, you know, it's... It just same. kind of flows over you. You don't even notice that it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Actually, I, the, the music that begins and ends this podcast, if you if you have any doubts, people can listen. <laughs> well, that kind of thing. And I went to them and I said, listen, I'm tied into the music community in the state. We got a lot of awesome rock bands, a lot of awesome, you know, pop, pop bands, a lot of awesome punk bands, rap music. I said, I can get those people to let us use their music. And they're like, go for it. So we're going to have traditional music on this show. Like, the, you know, we have... Yeah, we have great bands that are, you know, working with us on this show, like on this show, letting us use their music. I'm going through their stuff and I'm like, this would fit perfectly here. And we're able to play like that. They're letting me bring in personalities who I'm friends with, you know, they're letting me bring in like, uh, you know, uh, Miss USA, Erin Brady. She's from uh, she's from Farmington, I believe. And, you know, she was one of my friends and she filmed one of the episodes with me and just hung around. We had a stand up comedian, Dan Calwhite, who was actually from Ansonia. He went around and he filmed the Valley New Year episode with me. And they're letting me do that. I'm going to these episodes. You know, I'm not dressed up like a traditional news personality. I'm not wearing a suit. Like I filmed one of the episodes wearing a Foo Fighters t-shirt. Hmm. You know, it's basically, it's a, what I wanted. And I think we're accomplishing that. And I think people will see it when they actually see the episodes. I wanted something that people would look at and not think it's associated with a local news network. And I think we're accomplishing that. It's totally different. I mean, it's really tough to describe without you seeing it, but you it's totally see different. It, yeah. yeah. How about revenue? Like, do they sell ads, or do, do the people, or the bars, or are businesses featured? Is it uh, like how do they pay for it? I was the- completely against pay for play. That was not something I wanted to do at all, and I made that pretty well known. Um, I did not want this to be fluff pieces, 
And that's why I was very adamant about it being drinking culture because drinking culture can be broad. So we can talk about drinking culture in the realm of sports bars. Like I want to talk about sports bars. So cool. We'll obviously feature some Connecticut sports bars. We'll feature some Connecticut beers that are on in sports bars. But I didn't want this to be an a, infomercial. You didn't want to be so yeah. I didn't want this to be like I love Two Roads Brewing, like one of my favorite breweries, but I didn't want this show to be like, "Hey, we're at Two Roads Brewing and tell me how awesome your Expressway is." I love Expressway, but I don't want to do that kind of show. So that's why we're focusing on drinking culture, because it's a little bit broad, but you can also highlight Connecticut aspects of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Because I was thinking, like, sometimes randomly you'll see on a Saturday or Sunday on one of the local news channels a random profile of a business, and you don't know if it's a, a like a weekly show they do all the time. I don't even know what they're called, but you, this won't be that. It'll be more original uh, with your voice in it. They're, they're, so now, are you selling ads for it, or do they sell ads? Like, I'm just... I'm, ads are the WTNH thing. That's not my... So you don't have to worry about no, it's, this okay. is my, my job is the creative end. Um, but I mean, they're, when I say like they're letting me be full creative, like the episodes literally were lined up by me. Uh, I put them together. I produced them. I worked with the camera crew and the production crew to basically cut them. And we, you know, and I'm having people in these episodes that I think are important to the drinking community. I think they're important to drinking culture. And they're also friends of mine. I'm a big believer in kind of spreading the love. If I'm doing something that I think is kind of cool and I can bring in, my buddy who owns a bar, my buddy who owns a brewery, and I can raise people up who are doing other cool things in the state. It's a win all the way around. And I would think, like on camera, there's more. It's more of a natural chemistry as opposed to that kind of like reporter thing where you're just going to a stranger and you have sort of an artificial conversation. These are people who are automatically. I know from your podcast that's always the case. There's a natural uh, uh, easiness when you when you know somebody and talk to them. And that's something I've developed that skill on my podcast for sure. It one of the th- first things I noticed is that it's a little bit of a different animal doing it on camera. Just because people tend to freeze up a little bit more. You get a little, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. That's, that's, under, that's understandable. It's expected. Um, but what I've found is as I've continued filming them, you know, it's reps. It's going through and you're doing the reps and you're learning as you go. And we've put together great content. And it is natural. Like, that's the thing. Like, these conversations are me having a beer with these people. Having a conversation. Talking about... You know, whatever the topic is for the day. If we're talking about sports bars, we're talking about the customer base for the sports bars, how the sports bars change, how tough it is to get tap lines in the sports bar, stuff like that. That's fascinating. And I should just jump in. This is uh, Eugene Driscoll. You're listening to Valley Naval Gazing on WNHHLP-FM 103.5 out of New Haven and on valleyindy.org and newhavenindependent.org. So let's take it back, sure. right? Because we're as local as local gets. We might have just, I, might just, I may have infringed on you copyright sold a new t-shirt somewhere. There. Said, yeah, there we go. So, uh, and you're an Ansonia guy. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Ansonia. Where were you born in Ansonia? Did you go to Ansonia? I was actually born in Derby, technically. Griffin well, Hospital. Griffin Hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, my parents still live in Ansonia. Uh, I went to went to grade school in Ansonia, then I went to Notre Dame High School in West Haven. So I didn't. I wasn't an AHS guy. What uh, What year did you graduate high school? Two thousand. Okay. And so, what did you do right after high school? Uh, well, I went to college. I went to Eastern and Southern, and then after that, I had a couple different sales jobs. Um, you know, because your background is sort of you're like a self made guy. You're an entrepreneur. You have a really strong entre- entrepreneurial I, I, spirit, though. I'm but. very DIY. I am very DIY. Um, but so what did you major in? Like, how did, was that something? That political was always science. To okay. Be, to become a teacher. Oh, there you go. Which, so what? which didn't happen. <laughs> so um, was mom and dad a teacher? Or my entire like family are teachers. My mom and dad are teachers. My brother is a teacher at uh, at NCC. My yeah, my on my wife's side of the family, my wife's mother was a teacher. You know, yeah. So I came from a long line of teachers, but it wasn't really something that was appealing to me. And how many brothers, sisters? Do you I got have? one. Uh, one younger brother. Okay, and he's a teacher. You said he is a teacher. Yeah, and. Uh, but I mean, right, right after that, I mean, I took regular, I was like, I did marketing jobs, sales jobs, and I worked for, for Bargain News, the Bargain News. Oh, okay. I worked for Bargain News for a few years. What was that like? See, I've always, those are all over the place. What was it like to do that type of, because uh, sales stuff, like, here's the thing, like, yeah. I'm a reporter, right? And we do this nonprofit news site, but also, you know, sometimes we we try to get people, local business will mention, hey, you can advertise on our site. And I end up just getting angry every time. Because that's such a hard thing, such a, a different uh, thing to do, uh, you know, like selling, as opposed to, to what I do, just, you know, reporting. But so was it something you always liked or was it a grind oh, or God, was it? No. Oh, geez. No, I hate sales. I'm, I hate it completely. Um, and, I w- and when I say sales, I say that because that kind of would, I think that would be the umbrella I was under. Um, but I worked on the internet side of Bargain News. Okay. So I was... Uh, you know, so at the time, and I have no idea what their business model is like now. At the time, they had separate websites that were set up for the different car dealers. They would have their inventory listed. I would work with those car dealers to develop the website. I would sell them the plans and 
you know, basically work with them, make sure the inventory is updated. It was insanely exciting, as you can imagine. Wait, you're being sarcastic? Oh, I'm being or, okay, sarcastic. I was, I was, well, I, I, it was great people there. I actually still have some friends who I still have friends of mine who I, you know, met there. But yeah, it was it was not the most riveting job. Were like the car dealers always ready to hit you or anything like that? A lot of angry <laughs> people, or what? You know what was interesting? Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh, geez. You know, there's two, one of the things I did learn. I learned a lot about the car industry, uh, and you have that stereotype of like the used car dealer because that's what Bargain News worked with was like used cars, um, and. You know, I found there were two different types of car dealers. There was the stereotypical, like, Gil from The Simpsons, like, oh, I got to sell this car and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to sell it. (laughs) But then there were the guys who understood there is a fair deal where I make money, you make money, everybody wins. You know, and those were the people who I actually ended up buying cars from because they were the honest people I would send friends to them. And then there were the other people who... You know, they, you know, if you, if you ask them to hold your wallet, you're getting three credit cards back, you know, and not the entire thing. I remember I bought a car once, uh, like an, a, it was like a, probably a 1995 Toyota Escort from a guy in New York. And, uh, the first thing he did, he like took me into a back room. He opened up a briefcase for some reason. He had to look for some paperwork, and he just had a gun sitting there, right? As he opens his, I'm just like that. That's it's, not really, it's honestly that's not a making very, a good uh, good impression. When you start dealing with like a lot of the smaller lots, I mean, it does get dangerous because those cars get mm. broken into all the time. Like security on those lots is pretty pretty tough. Mm. But it, it was a very interesting, uh, you know, the Glengarry Glen Ross was a very interesting comparison. But it's. Uh, you know, there's good guys and bad guys. I learned a lot about that industry, and it was very, it was very beneficial for me though too, because you dealt with a lot of colorful personalities. Like you dealt with the very professional people, so I understood how to carry myself in that medium. And then you dealt with like you know, the snake oil salesman, for lack of a better term, and you kind of understood, okay, how do you interact with that? What's the dynamic there? Which I mean, for what I do now, actually kind of carries over well because everyone I talk to has a different personality, so you kind of understand how to, uh, how to work with different people. What were your interests when you were growing up here in Ansonia? What were you into? What did you, what did you like to do? Played every sport imaginable, every single sport. Played, uh, I was an Ansonia copper, you know, so I played, uh, played football here. I did uh, soccer. I did Little League. I did bitty basketball. Yeah, pretty much every sport you could possibly think of besides hockey. Um, you still have friends that you grew up with oh, here? Oh, yeah, no, tons like, of friends. Just throw some of the names out there. Who you grew of, up with? Names Your of friends, friends that yeah, I grew up with? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my friends, and we're talking a lot now because the Dolphins are growing well, is, uh, is Joe Hunt. Joe Hunt, his father, obviously, uh, you know, an Ansonia legend for what he's done with AHS, you mm. know, what he did with AHS, uh, sadly, has passed away. But um, Yeah, that name comes up. We do, uh, there's a second podcast, Valley Sports Rewind. Uh, that we produce here in the office, and uh, yeah, that name comes up just about every single week because it's a the podcast is about looking back at uh, you know the golden era of uh, Valley sports. Yeah, so. I'm trying to think of people like people who I grew up with that you know were kind of part of like the Valley lineage. Like Joe Hunt's the first one to come to mind. Like Vince Delavope, obviously Mary Delavope, you know had his you know was in office here for a long time. I mean, those are guys that I grew up with, guys who I still see occasionally. But I, you know, as you get older, you know, you don't stay in much as touch as you probably wish you did mm. um but yeah no i mean i still have i mean like one of one of my best friends was in my i went to i was with him since grade school like first grade and he was in my wedding party so i mean and he was an ansonia guy you know and his family lived right down the street from mine so and was, i'm asking you this just so when i put it on facebook i'll write those names down and maybe they'll see it i'm <laughs> being a total page view whore here but uh, so when did you so you're, you're working at bargain news you're doing that type of you called it sales, but that was the umbrella term for it. But then you had like, because I know you were you were into wrestling too, real into into wrestling. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, thing, I'll, like, I'll give you like the I'll give you like the the Cliff Notes version of it. Like I left Bargain, I left Bargain News. Uh, I took a year off to took around a year off to like write actually. Um, now, how'd you support yourself in that time? Like I saved a lot. I had saved a lot of money with Bargain News. When I was working with Bargain News, I was living at home, so you know I had a decent amount of money saved. And at the time, I was actually writing, and not to like, pat myself on the back, but I had the uh, the number one blog on MySpace for a period of time. Really? Oh, oh so you yeah. were doing it all on? What, what types of thing were you writing about? It was, and, and it was still that, available, or should we not uh, look it up? You. I mean, there's actually a book. It's on Amazon. I had a book published. Um, it's yeah, it's it's like the millionth ranked book on Amazon right now. It's called the Tuchio Holic book. It was like the millionth ranked book on Amazon. My dad is the only person who wrote a review for it. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Did he write good or bad? Was he? Uh, no, it was a positive All review. Right. But it was very very funny because I think he didn't understand that. Uh, you're going to see his name on it. So he writes it kind of like, oh, I followed Ken's writing for the longest time, and I'm a big fan of his work. And then he looks up top, and it says, oh, Mr. Tuccio. Like, ah, there you go. 
Um, but I did that for a little while and then, uh, you know, took a couple random sales jobs. I worked for, I mean, I spent a couple of years working for a software company in Shelton. And then after that company, basically, you know, couldn't pay me anymore. Uh, small business. That's the way that works. Mm. Um, I went off and I started doing web design. And I did web design, and then from there, you and I first met when I was doing Barbershop Window. Barbershop Window was the t-shirt company. Yeah, yeah. And that was within the wrestling industry, so we made we were a wrestling t-shirt company. And you were a wrestling guy. I mean, you were like Oh, a, I'm a big wrestling guy. I love wrestling. Pro wrestling was my thing growing up. Like, you know, some people dreamt about, like, you know, about hitting the home run in the World Series. I always wanted to be Shawn Michaels in WrestleMania. That was yeah, what and, I wanted to do. What's your age? I might have already asked you, but how old are you? 34. 34 I tell, I tell okay. people I'm like 29 to 30, but I'm 34. Well, you don't look a day over 20. <laughs> I'm 42. I'm 42. I look about 60, and my liver's 70. But so, like, what was your era of wrestling? What was the golden age of wrestling that, that you watched? Well, I grew up in the, I mean, I was a little kid in grade school during the uh, Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior era. Okay. So Hulkamania was a big thing for me, but I never was a Hulkamaniac. I was always a fan of like the smaller guys. I always liked like the rockers. I liked Tito Santana. I liked Macho Man Randy Savage. I liked the guys who could do like the flying around, the kind of like uh, flashy people. That's what I always dug. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the era I grew up in. And, you know, wrestling just always carried. Wrestling's a constant. Anyone who's in wrestling, into wrestling will tell you that once you're hooked, you're just watching it. It's a lifelong It's a life. Thing. It's just a lifelong fandom. And yeah. I've just uh, started to watch some wrestling. Because I, I watched, uh, I mean, I got like 10 years on you. So like my era was uh, like Bob Backlund was really one. You know, like Pedro Morales and then Tito's Santana. You want a funny and, Bob Backlund story? I, yeah, let's hear some Bob Backlund okay. stories. So Bob Backlund. Yeah, because you started to like get involved with the wrestlers. Like personally, you knew these guys. Well, when like, I worked in, uh, the name of the company that I, the t-shirt company I had started and I had sold it off. Um, it's called Barbershop Window. It's still up there. It's Barbershop Window. It's owned by a different company now. Um, but when I did that, I actually got to go backstage at shows. And, and this is like you know, 2009 I, or something like 2008, 2009, 2010, around 2011 that. 2011 Okay. I want to say it was like, yeah, don't quote me on it. I want to say it's like 2011. Yeah, you're being quoted. Yeah, right into that. I want to say it was like 2011 to 2013. Okay. In that range. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Um, I was just... No, that's fine. But when I worked in that, I got to go backstage at a lot of shows and meet all these guys, So, which was really cool. I mean, it was one of those like... You know, you're sitting there like, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm talking to Bret Hart and it's like, oh, this is this is cool. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I wish the curtain didn't get pulled back because it just kind of like when you when I'll get to the Bob Backlund story in a second, because that's actually. Separate, yeah, yeah, but, the, but the uh, one of the interesting things when you meet people who you legitimately had posters on the wall for and had action figures of, it takes away a little of like the. I don't know, like the John Wayne kind of larger than life kind yeah. of I meant mentality a little bit. Like when you're sitting in a bar and like Jake the Snake Roberts is just a couple stools down oh, and poor Jake. And yes. you know, he well, he's doing well now. But he's uh but like at the time he's like he's texting whoever he was with at the time and like, you know, you realize these you realize these guys are just normal people who have to like take out the garbage and pick up milk on the way home and, you know, raise their kids. It it's it, I loved it. It was a great experience, but it was one of those, like, if I could go back, it would be, I probably would have stepped back a little bit from it and kind of let myself still have that mystical magic. And you were meeting these guys because you wanted them to give you, like, permission to put them on t-shirts or, or you were just trying to uh, Yeah, I mean, we were doing, the t-shirts, well, the t-shirts we were doing were parody shirts. So, uh, it's like the Weird Al Yankovic model. Like, uh, you'd have, the shirts would have references without, you, it wouldn't say Hulkamania is running wild, but it might have. A so random. as an example, like if you are a Star Wars fan, you, if you're a Star Wars fan, you want to make a t-shirt, you can't take a picture of Harrison Ford and just put Han Solo on it because then George Lucas is going to find you. Mm -hmm. Or at the time, George Lucas would find you. Um, with this, we wouldn't make a shirt that, but you couldn't do a Han Solo shirt, but you could do a shirt that says Han shot first mm -hmm. because that's a reference. Fans get it, and it's still Star Wars oriented. We took that model and we would do it with wrestlers. So we would do like, um, we would do shirts like, uh, what's a good one? We did a, a political shirt, which was Monsoon Heenan at the time. It was 2014. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the great thing is, is like, I got to meet these guys, and I remember Bobby Heenan and his wife loved it like they loved it i sent them like a box of the shirts gorilla monsoon's daughter this is this is hilarious gorilla monsoon's daughter bought the shirts like off the website and i didn't know it was gorilla monsoon's daughter until i'm going through like a list and gorilla monsoon's last name in real life was morella and i'm going through and i'm seeing like someone named morella ordered like 15 shirts and i'm like 
that's a weird coincidence. So then I contact her and I said, this, I'm, I'm sorry, we're getting you your shirts, but I'm just curious. And it was like Gorilla Monsoon's daughter. And she's like, we love it. It's amazing. It's great. It's hilarious. I would always ask permission when I could. And then like a lot of the WWE guys actually started loving it. So we started doing shirts that were referencing the WWE guys, which they love. They would wear them on the air, which is still mind boggling, mm. like something I would make for my kitchen table. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you turn Therapy. on Monday Night Raw and there it is. It's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I forget where I was going now. So. Well, we were, you were talking about Bob Backlund. You had a Bob Backlund. Oh, <laughs> so Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund, this is not related to Barbershop Window, but it's related to Welcome to Connecticut. Uh, Bob Backlund lives in the Hartford Litchfield neck of the woods. He's on the other side of the state. Okay. He's a Connecticut guy. And he had a book that came out a while back. And I had heard the book came out. I'm a wrestling fan. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to reach out to Bob Backlund, see if I can get him on the show. And I Google Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund doesn't have a Facebook. He doesn't have a Twitter. He doesn't have anything. It's Bob Backlund. So I'm like, I have no idea how you get in touch with Bob Backlund. I search it, and I find this website, Backlund Energy, which apparently at one time he owned an energy company, which if you Google Backlund Energy, it comes up. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay. The the energy company, the logo was Bob Backlund holding a belt. And I'm like, all right. I'd buy energy from that guy. Yeah, I'm like, okay, sure, Bob, whatever. And... I'm like, okay, and it's like a legit energy company, and on the front page, it has stuff about like whatever he did with the business, but then it had how to buy his book, and I'm, I look it up, and then I go to like the contact page, and they had a phone number, and I'm like, sure, I'll make that call. I mean, you're a news guy. You know about making these calls, so I call, uh, I call the number, and I leave a voicemail. I'm like, Mr. Back, my name's Ken Tuccio, yada, 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 promote your book so on and so forth. Within 10 minutes, I get a phone call back. And it's Bob Backlund. Super excited about it. He's like, yeah, no, when, when do you want to do it? I'm like, well, you let me know. I said, I'll drive up to you. I, whenever I do interviews for the show, I try to make it as convenient as possible for the guest. Mm. Like, you know, when I interviewed you, I came here and it's like, right. I don't want them to inconvenience themselves. I'm like, well, you let me know. We'll schedule a time. I'll drive up to you. We'll get it taken care of. And he goes, no, I'll come to you. I'm like, well, I said, we tape these out of my home office. I mean, you're more than welcome to come. And I've recorded a lot of episodes in the home office, but it's really just my condo. He's like, yeah, no, I'll come. And we set a date and we set a time. And I remember I text my father because Bob Backlund's one of my father's favorite wrestlers. And I'm like, so apparently Bob Backlund is coming to my condo, you know, this Friday to record a podcast. And he's like, yeah, oh, okay, interesting. Hey. So, um, so yeah, so we set up a time and... For the sake of the story, I'm because I forget the actual time. We'll say that we set the time for two o'clock. So I'm in the office, I'm doing work, and then twelve forty-five, my phone rings and it's Bob back. And my first thought is, you oh, know, he's canceling. Something happened and whatever. And he goes, "All right, I'm outside." And I go, I "I'm sorry." I said, "Did I screw up? I thought we had two o'clock." He goes, "No, no, we we had two o'clock. I just always come early." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." Uh, there's 15 minutes early and then there's an hour and 15 minutes early, but whatever. Fortunately, I wasn't, I was home and I wasn't in the middle of anything. I'm like, I'll come down to get you. So I walk downstairs. Bob Backlund is parked in a visitor spot in my condo complex. I walk over, introduce myself to him. He's wearing like windbreakers and like a t-shirt. I walk him up to, you know, I walk him up to the, to the, uh, to the condo. I introduce him to my cats which was... Did he bring like donuts or anything like that? They have like uh, food oh, ready he, or oh, anything? Oh, he brought or? food. We're getting to that part of the story. All right, all right. So he... I uh have this whole image of Bob Backlund in my so head. So we walk him into the... Um, I walk him into the into the home office and we sit down and we record the episode and it's actually great. It's a really good episode. Like I, I, I didn't even need to do research on it because I know Bob Backlund. I know wrestling. So it was a fun conversation. I'm actually asking a lot of questions that I would just be interested in if I was a fan. Mm -hmm. And the conversation goes great. And... It ends, and after it ends, Bob and I are talking in the home office for like another 10, 15 minutes, and he's talking about how, you know, he wants to do more speaking engagements to promote the book. He wants to do all this other stuff, and Bob's a little wacky. He's awesome. He's great. He's the best kind of crazy, but he's a little left to center. Like, you could tell that, like, you know, he's a character, and like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, no, awesome. Yeah, sure, Bob. Best of luck to you. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm at the point where, like, how do I get Bob Backlund to leave my house? Because this conversation's going on a little bit, and he is like not really making any motions to the door. So like, he's, I snap a selfie he's with him moving and in. Yeah, he, I snap a selfie with him, and I'm like, okay, awesome, Bob. Thank you very much for doing it. I said, yeah, I got to get going. I said, I got to go uh, pick my wife up from the train or some excuse. And he goes, oh, all right. And I'm walking to the door, and my cats come up again. And this is where it gets really fun. My cats come up to Bob Backlund, and Bob Backlund gets down on the floor and he starts petting the cats, and he goes, do uh. Do your cats like treats? 
And I go, well, I said, my wife's kind of particular with what they eat because I just don't want Bob back on feeding my cats. And he goes, oh, because I carry around Brussels sprouts. And he reaches mm. in his pocket and pulls out raw Brussels sprouts. And I'm like, why do you carry around Brussels sprouts? And he goes, oh, they're a great snack. I just munch on them throughout the day. And I'm like, oh, I said, I don't think cats eat Brussels sprouts. I don't think that's a thing. And he goes, oh, well, do you want one? And I'm like, I'm all set. Like, I, listen, I'll eat some adventurous things. I'm not eating Brussels sprouts out of Bob Backlund's pockets. And uh, Not in yeah. a bag or anything? He just Oh, like, no, no, no. Just, they were just, just raw straight raw Brussels sprouts raw out pocket. of his pocket, like the way you keep change. That is how it... it you literally couldn't make it up if you tried. And is he known for being sort of? He's the, uh, known in the wrestling industry okay. for being a little wacky, which is why when I, I when I when he when I booked him on my show, uh, I texted one of my buddies who actually still works in the industry, and I said, to "Bob Backlund's coming to my condo," and they go, "He goes, he's going to be your best friend, and you're not going to be able to get him to leave, and you're going to have stories, and all of them happen." Um, so Bob Backlund goes to feed my cats, and then then it gets then it becomes the real wrestling carny portion of it, where Bob goes to me, he goes, "Uh." He goes, well, thank you for having me. Do you want a book? And I go, I would love a book. He goes, he goes, oh, I'll sign one to you. Oh, I'm like, no. that's awesome. Thanks, Bob. That would be great because, you know, I'm sure you've done podcasts where people bring you stuff. I've done interviews where people hand, yeah, whatever, they give you stuff. I do that sometimes too. And I'm like, awesome. He goes, all right, they're in my car. Uh, they're 25 bucks. <laughs> and I go, oh, I said, I don't have any cash on me. I'm so sorry, Bob. And he goes, he goes, oh. Well, I can take a personal check. And I go, oh, my wife has the checkbook. And he goes, oh. I said, and then I ask a question knowing the answer ahead of time. And I go, oh, well, do you have Square on your phone or like Go payment? And he goes, he goes, oh, no. I knew the answer ahead of time. I, Bob's not the kind of person who struck me as having like, you know, payment processing on his cell phone. If he did, then I was buying a book because I'm I'm stuck at that point. If he took one of your cats as payment, I'm going to start crying. It's oh, no, no, no. He didn't. But it was, uh, but yeah. So he ends up uh, leaving the condo um, after trying to pitch me a book, which was hilarious. And uh, his car just sits there for probably like another 15 minutes. And, you know. This is starting to get scary. And no, and then he leaves. And he was great. He was super awesome. But the thing I loved about it is I, uh, one of my buddies it works for uh, the library in Portchester, and he's always looking for speakers. And I text him. I'm like, I can connect you with Bob Backlund, who has a book coming out, who probably would love to work with you. And he, uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I give him Bob Backlund's number. And Bob Backlund came to the library and spoke for kids and everything and promoted the book. And then yeah, the stories he tells about Bob Backlund are equally just as bonkers as the ones I had, it was it was it was one of those like really awesome, funny experiences. Who, who was like a wrestler that you met that you there was the other end of the spectrum that was maybe uh, disappointing? And I'm I'm gonna take some I'm gonna take a guess. Go ahead, because I saw this guy speak a couple of years. He's now passed on, unfortunately, but I saw him speak at a horror convention because they live Roddy Piper, uh, and he he was masterful. I mean, he was he was telling stories, but he didn't care about whether you wanted to hear the stories, whether the stories were appropriate, whether they had to do with the topic at hand or the other people on the panel. But I, I found him to be one of the greatest speakers. I will uh, say this, and this will be the most politician-related answer you could possibly get from me. Most, yeah, yeah. There are many stories about a lot of the older generation of wrestlers that would sour you on them and I was there to experience a lot of those stories but they're not really my stories to tell because a lot of the things you hear about about like you know holding up promoters and you know extracurricular activities a lot of them are true and it's you know but not really my stories to tell and I won't name names on things because you were sort but of a fly on the wall in those situations I was a fly directly. I was sitting in diners with promoters who are getting text messages and phone calls from representatives from different people who you know, even the most, you know, even the most casual wrestling fan would recognize. And that's one of the things, like when I talk about I wish the curtain didn't get pulled back a lot, like that's one of those things where, you know, I kind of wish I didn't, uh, didn't completely pull it back. Because are you going to bring Backlin on your drinking show when that starts He doesn't up, drink. Or? He doesn't drink. <laughs> I would, doesn't. I, honestly, I would love to have Bob Backlin on my show. That would be absolutely awesome. Bob Backlin in a bar would be a scene, but yeah, no, he, he doesn't drink. He doesn't, uh... 
He doesn't do anything that's not healthy for him. And the Welcome to Connecticut podcast, you said that's about three years old now. Uh, you're like a couple of hundred episodes into it, right, so at this point? As Well, the day we're taping this, we just launched episode 141. And uh, what do you what have you learned from doing that podcast? Uh, do you still enjoy it as much as you did uh, on day one? Uh, yeah, I enjoy it as much as I did. Um, as far as what I've learned, um, I mean, I, I, honestly, a skill that I've kind of gained from it is the ability to engage, the ability to have a conversation and kind of push a conversation along, which is pretty beneficial in a lot of different aspects of life. Because I mean, my job and your job with this too is to kind of listen. I kind of realized how important listening is. Uh, you know, people are telling a story and you have to figure out certain points of it that you can then move on to the next part. Um, and, you know, that's a skill that I've found benefited me in other social situations. Like, you know, if I'm sitting there with a podcast and I have to fill 40 minutes, I have to listen to each statement someone's doing. And then on the fly, all right, you mentioned something, I can turn that into this conversation and let's get here and, you know, basically maneuver the conversation. And that works really well if you go to a party and you don't know people and you have to mingle and... You know, you kind of learn how to push a conversation along and how to, you know, converse with people in a social setting. It's it's very, it, that was a very good skill for me to gain. So, all right, so let's wrap up by talking about this Valley New Year's uh, episode you did for the new show sure. that's going to uh, debut on WTNH uh, in January. January said, 26th. Right? That episode's not the premiere, but that episode's right. going to be part of the season, yeah. Uh, well, what's the first episode? What's the first, first episode is going to be sports bars. That's what we're okay. te- that's what that's what the plan is. The, and once again, cards always subject to change, but the plan is for it to be an episode covering sports bar culture in the city. And then before I move to Valley New Year, you had talked. So there's going to be in, in the drink. It's called the drinking show. The local that, drinking. Show. The local drinking show. You're going to also look at trends because uh, you had mentioned uh, sports bars dying. Is that a thing that? No, they're growing, and it's a different kind of sports bar now. So if you look at like. I mean, that's kind of what the show covers is sports bars. When I was growing up, they were the traditional place that had, you know, twice frozen wings and maybe three beers on tap. One of them is Bud. One of them is Bud Light. And the other one is either Sam or Guinness. And Which is the way it should be, in my opinion, because this is America. Well, hey, and those bars still exist. And like, they still exist. Ethan's getting angry at something over there. Oh, sorry. Ethan's all right. <laughs> those bars still exist. And they definitely have a place in drinking culture. But the sports bar, the modern sports bar has evolved. Now you have sports bar owners that are coming in where they're not interested in just getting by. And a lot of sports bars back in the day could get by. Hey, we got a TV. It's got the Jets game on. We've got a couple beers on tap. We got wings and we got a burger. People are going to show up. Now sports bar owners are coming in and they go, we don't want to just do that. Like we want to have all the games on and we want to have good beer on tap, like craft beer, different beer that people could try. We want to have quality food. Like they want to have, they want to, a lot of sports bars are bringing in chefs that could probably be working in a fine dining restaurant and they're having them take their talents and equate it to sports bar food. Like let's take a burger and upgrade it. Let's take wings and make them cooler, make them tastier. Let's take crap. Let's take our taps. And instead of just filling them with Bud, Sam, stuff like that, let's, reach out to local breweries and get some really unique stuff on. And that's kind of what the show covers is, you know, that episode is going to talk about the way the sports bar has evolved, you know, and how the owners have changed, how the sports bar culture has changed, how the clientele has changed. And, you know, in turn, how, you know, how the clientele has changed and how in turn that has affected a lot of the local breweries. Like we brought in a couple of local Connecticut breweries uh, with me for that episode to talk about the importance of getting on in those kind of bars and how they've experienced the change of sports bars as we go. You know, and that's kind of what that kind of thing covers, the sports bar culture. Are you going to do an old man bar episode? That, I that... want to. Like if we go to a second Maybe, season. Let me be on that one. <laughs> if, we, if we do a second season... Um, I would love, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest challenges we had in filming the first season is we were a little bit handcuffed and that's kind of self-imposed, but we were a little bit handcuffed because of the time of year we were shooting it. Like we started shooting in November. So well, you've done six episodes just in the last month. Yes. Wow. Okay. So we started filming in, no, we did four episodes. Okay. So we're four episodes in, we're filming the 5th in December. Oh, got, and sorry. But, um, but like we started filming in November and November, December, January is when we're filming this January 26th is a premiere and that's the winter, you know, and it kind of limits you as far as drinking culture goes. There's a lot of awesome stuff to cover and we covered a lot of killer stuff that I'm really excited about. But I mean, I'm so excited about if we do a second season, if we do more episodes, um, being able to do it in the summer, being able to do it in the spring and summer, because then you could cover drinking culture in terms of Cinco de Mayo, St. Patty's Day. You could cover barbecues you could cover beer festivals you could cover mm. tailgating you could do a lot of cooler stuff and that's that really opens up the uh open up the floodgates for us 
Um, but that was kind of the biggest handicap we had with it was just the time of year. I mean, I'm not, no one's, you know, I, you know, you're not going to be doing, there's no holidays in November and December that are really drinking holidays. You know, you can't cover that aspect of drinking culture where, you know, but there are awesome things to cover. So we covered them this season. Like we covered sports bars. We covered home brewing, which is a big thing in the state. We covered uh, covered cocktails, cocktail bars. We covered Valley New Year, which is an awesome event. Probably the only real drinking event that you could think of in the winter, so to speak. But And what are what are some of the best bars in the Valley? Best bars in the Valley. I'll put you on the, on the spot there. I but. like Bar None a lot. I'm a really big fan of Bar None. Um, I'm a fan of Dewdrop. I like Dewdrop because, I, I, as, like everyone, I like the wings. And they've become, I mean, it's amazing. I have, and I think we've talked about that before, uh, maybe even with you that time when, when you had us on, on your show. But people I mean, travel, I live in Norwalk. People travel from Norwalk to Dewdrop for the wings. I mean, I live very close to that establishment. I used to work from uh, like 7 a.m. to 3 uh, before I had kids, before I was married, and I would have dinner there, and it was just, you know, people would be like, you go to the, do- oh my, you go to the, did you get a shotgun? Did you, you know, in and now it's, I go in there, and it's skinny jeans, and craft beer, and it's packed all the time. I mean that in a good way, not that I, I can fit into skinny jeans, but it's, they're like the powerhouse of the Valley, are they not? Um, they're probably... I- I would say them and THC are the most well-known bars in the valley. And THC being in another one in Derby, mm-hmm. uh, kind of brand new, only like a year or so. Yeah, they're old. a craft beer bar. I forget they were a wedding venue before then. I forget the name of it. Yeah, well, and I, it's uh, it's it's Grassy Hill Lodge. Grassy Hill Lodge. Was, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, those are probably the two most well-known. But I mean, when I'm looking at the valley, I mean, I like you know, I like a place like Barones in Seymour. Which is, you know, oh yeah, it's a. It's, I've actually never been in there, but yeah, it's a classic little. It's a classic bar. I mean, I like that kind of place. Um, I like Barones. I like Bar None. Uh, I'm a fan of Porky's, which is part of the reason that we, you know, that we filmed there. Um, I like Bricks and Barley back when it was open. Yeah, that's too bad about that. It came yep. and went a little too fast. Came and went a little too fast. That's a tough business. Bar industry is tough. I mean, you have to have. Uh, it's 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 tough. I mean, there's no guarantees. A lot of people get into it thinking, and I'm not saying this is what they did, but a lot of people get into it thinking like, oh, you put some beers on tap with some food. But you know, there's always extenuating circumstances. It is what it is. But I like that place a lot, Bricks and Bricks and uh, Bricks and Barley. I hope they do something else. I mm. like the, I like that place and I like the guys. So yeah. Okay, so the Valley New Year uh, special mm-hmm. or episode. When do you think any idea when that could possibly air um, since it's so valley centric? That's either pegged to be like the third or fourth episode. So bi weekly, we premiere the 26th to so do the math. But. And is it uh, is that episode totally insanity? Is it Dave Attell insomniac in that where it's just. What's we on the cutting room? Tell us what you can't put in the episode. It's not insomniac in the same way as in, like, you know, we're not highlighting drunken people because that's not the kind of show I want to do. You know, and that's one of the hurdles we had with the show. And that gets old after about two minutes anyway. It does, but I mean, honestly, that's not my personality. So the there's a stereotype with drinking programs where people tend to think that if you're doing a show about drinking or you're doing a documentary about drinking or anything about drinking, that it has to be shots and people passing out and people throwing up in the corner and people doing stupid stuff. And, you know, you don't remember it the next morning. I think that is kind of an older mentality. I think that if you look at the way society is turning, people like more educational, informative programming. People like programming that makes them think and explores culture in a way that is mature and educational while still being entertaining. So for like Valley New Year as an example, we are in the middle of craziness. We are, you know, the night before Thanksgiving, I don't care where you go, but the Valley is, it's always a crazy busy night, but the Valley, that's, that's insane. And we're bringing a camera crew into that. So yeah, you had some insanity going on, but... I'm, I was exploring, why is this so big in the valley compared to everywhere else? Like, from a business perspective, what does a bar owner have to do to prepare for a night like this? What kind of people come out? Because now, Valley New Year, you're finding a lot of people who are coming from Fairfield, Bridgeport to the valley. Because they've seen it on Twitter, the hashtag it's or It's a thing. Yeah. And it's like, I wanted to explore, why is this a thing in the valley? Because if you ask me something that is extremely Connecticut-centric drinking culture... Valley New Year is the definition of that. That is something if I go to if I go to Miami, Florida and I say, "Hey man, you go out for Valley New Year." They're not going to have a clue what I talk about, but you go in this area, they're going to know what it is. But we're in the middle of that crazy atmosphere, so you could see this craziness going on, but let's explore it and let's investigate it and let's have some fun investigating it while not being, you know, bat 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 It's not exploitation yes, or, or, exactly. or cheap laughs or hitting below the belt. Yeah, but. and the thing is too is like, you know, the thing is, too, is like it's 
I, I, I don't want to do that kind of show. And that's what, if people are tuning in expecting this to be a show about like frat guys doing a bunch of shots and then we close every episode with them leaning over the toilet, you're not getting that. Like this is exploring drinking culture because that's my personality. I have been given a very, very good opportunity to present the kind of show I like and the kind of show I want to do. And that's what this is. And that is a show where we're being, we're being informative and educational and having fun at the same time. But it's the kind of show that you would not be ashamed to watch with your dad and you'd both find it entertaining. You know, it's that kind of show. It's, I mean, Anthony Bourdain is one of my, one of my idols. I love his story. I love everything he does. You look, it's that style. Like you could watch Bourdain with a 21 year old kid in college and they love it. And there are 50, 60 year old guys who find it equally as entertaining. So exploring the culture. Exactly. All right, Ken. So what's the website you had mentioned at the very top of this podcast where people can find out more info? Um, right now, the best way to find out more information is you can follow me on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Rhymes with Pen. I am on uh, Instagram at Ken SPT. Facebook, it's Welcome to Connected Podcast. Um, and the website for the podcast is welcomect.com. Um, that is where we're posting all the information about when it's going to be released. Obviously, WTNH is Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff will also release the information. But the uh, premiere date is going to be January 26th. Uh, and we have a big premiere party, which I should mention. Oh, yeah. Uh, premiere party, premiere launch party, which you guys should come to. Uh, we're doing it at the Blind Rhino in Norwalk. Um, and it is going to be absolutely killer. We are having a, we are going to be doing the first public screening of the series premiere. Uh, the party is January 6th. I should mention that. It starts at 7 p.m. Uh, so January 6th, 7 p.m. at the Blind Rhino. It's a Friday night, so you can sleep in on Saturday. Uh, we're going to do the first public screening of the series premiere. Uh, we are going to have live music from J.R. Hedrick, who is actually a Valley guy. He's an amazingly talented musician. He's going to be performing that night. Um, we are going to have uh, amazing Connecticut beers on tap. For the first time in this corner of the state, we're going to have Fat Orange Cat Brewing on. They're in East Hampton Brewery, which is an insane story, and mm. the first time they're going to be on down there. We're going to have specialty cocktails. We're going to have a homebrew corner where homebrewers are going to come and sample some of their stuff. Um, it's WTNH is going to be there filming it. So it's going to be a very uh, it's going to be a very fun party, and that's going to be kind of the way we kick everything off. And then if you can't make it, then January twenty sixth, uh, WTNH.com, localdrinkingshow.com, WTNH. That's where the show is. All right, Ken. Thanks a lot for coming in. I appreciate it. Yeah, Good I appreciate luck. Appreciate having me. All right, I'm Eugene Driscoll, and this was another episode of Valley Navel Gazing, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>